Hey you, I'm Debbie Dibbs, and today I want to talk about your first memories. They are very formative, so I want to give you a minute and see if you can think back to your very first memory, the very, very, very first one. Does it come to mind? Are you able to capture it, remember it? Is it positive? Is it negative? Who's involved in that memory? Where are you in that memory? What are you doing? How are you feeling? I'm curious if you're thinking through all of that. So while you're thinking through all of that, I'll share with you mine. Because my very first memory first came to me as a dream, actually. I was about 12 or 13 years old, and I kept having this recurring nightmare. Now, when I was a kid, my nightmares all ended the same. (laughs) I would shrink into a baby doll version of myself wearing this red velvet, white lace trimmed dress that a doll of mine when I was a kid used to have. And then I fall down a hole. (laughs) I go spinning upwards down a hole. Face up, I should say. Face up, I go spinning down a hole. And this dream, this nightmare ended just like that. But how it started was really interesting because it started with me as an awareness that I was a baby. With an awareness that my dad was out of town. With an awareness that my brother wasn't in the house either. And it starts off with me laying on a changing table. I must have been about two, maybe. And my mother's getting ready to change my diaper. And the phone rings. Now, I was born in the 70s, just barely, (laughs) just barely, but early enough that I grew up during the age when phones were tethered to the wall. (laughs) So in order to pick up a phone call, you had to go to the phone. You didn't have the phone with you. So the phone starts to ring. Now, as a mother now myself, I know what I would do in this situation. I'll give you a second to think, what would you do? But myself, I would (laughs) fold the baby's half-open diaper or clothing or whatever back around him, pick him up, carry him with me to the phone. If his clothes were still all the way on, I may just put him on the floor, let him crawl around while I went and got the phone. But here's what I wouldn't do. And it's what my mother did. She walked away. She walked away to answer the phone, leaving me on the changing table. And I now remember. I'm going to tell you what I now remember in a minute. Actually, I'm not going to say it now. I'm going to say the memory as it came in the dream. I just decided. (laughs) So after my mom leaves the room, I reached for her, fall, and I break my arm. And I had this dream over and over and over and over again for about two weeks. I kept waking up in like sweats and chills from this dream. And one morning I finally mentioned something to my mother. I said, you know, I keep having this crazy dream. And I explained it to her. I described what happened to her. And she got really quiet. 
And she says in almost a whisper, no, that really happened. I said, what? And she walks out of the room and she comes back holding a photo. Back when it was a matte photo with the rounded corners, I'm really dating myself. (laughs) A photo, Kodak photo of me as a little tiny little girl, toddler in a church dress standing on the porch of my childhood home with a cast on my arm. That was the first moment I realized the dream was real. It was real. It actually happened. Now, over the course of several years, that's all it stayed to me was that dream. But about five years ago, maybe, the dream started to become really clear. It started to revert into a memory. And I am 1,000% sure it's accurate. The memory is this. The added details are that the phone rings. God, my chest is tight right now talking about this. The phone rings. My mother goes to walk out of the room. She stops herself in the doorway, looks back at me, and says scoffingly, don't fall off. Me being the little girl that I was, that's my mom. And so I reached for her. And that's when I fell. And the look on her face is what has become so clear. The look of utter disdain. Just not caring that I probably was going to fall. And she blamed me for a long time. She said it was my fault. I should have known better. And we recently had a family therapy session, the one and only family therapy session I even endured, because I asked her to start with this and see if she could at least address this. And she said to the therapist, well, I was three or four. Not true. And I should have known better. Also not true. My point is that that early memory taught me so much about my mother, about my relationship with my mother, and taught me a lot of lies about my self-worth. It told me I didn't have any. So, I'm wondering what your earliest childhood memory is. What does that do for you? How does it make you feel? Can you connect it to any dots later on in your life? Like, I can't. (laughs) I mean, holy moly, the dots are everywhere. It's like a sky full of stars. (laughs) As far as... The ways that I allowed myself to be treated like I was worthless for so long. Another thought that's occurred to me a little more recently, I just had this aha moment about maybe two years ago, and I I thought, oh my gosh, wait a minute. Because my entire life has been dictated by her narrative. The way she treats me in front of other people has been very different than the way that she treats me behind closed doors. And so I've always had to endure being painted as the bad guy, the moody kid, the cold kid, the kid who didn't like her mom or is rude or bitchy. 
because she had just been racking me over the rails. And then someone else walked into the room. And I couldn't fake it, even though she could. So my aha moment made me wonder, what else did I see in that immediate aftermath of breaking my arm? How long did it take her to scoop me up? How long did it take her to take me to the doctor? She has lied about everything else that she's done to me so that I think, as a two-year-old, did I have to watch my mother then lie about how I broke my arm? Did I have to hear my mother blame me to other people? Did I hear her make some other bullshit up? Ah, she was running around and fell. What did I witness from my mom in terms of taking responsibility for what she did to me? I may never know the answers to those. Other than my gut instinct theory, based on literally everything else she's ever done. <laughs> oh, my chest still feels really tight. In talking about that. Especially because I'm a mother now and I, I can't even imagine. Oh, God, I can't imagine putting that kind of a burden on my kid. Hurting him and then lying about it. And then expecting him to go along with it. She probably ended up convincing me that it never actually really even happened that way. And that's why it ended up becoming just a dream. A nightmare. But it wasn't a nightmare. It was my life. And that is my first damn memory. And it has guided me down so many wrong paths. And it's disgusting. But it's really important that I know that. Because I did not decide how I was treated that day. I did not decide what happened to me that day. I did not decide the narrative that came out of that day. And I'm reclaiming it now. Okay? I'm calling dibs on this story because it is fucking true. That is what happened to me that day. I was not three or four. I was about two. And she walked away from me on the changing table and I broke my arm. Point blank, period. I'm owning it. No one is going to take that memory away from me. No one is going to tell me it's not true. Ever again. What are the memories that you have? I guess it's a twofold question now. Your earliest childhood memory, thinking back, same thing I've been talking about, how that connects the dots to the rest of your life, but also all the other times that you've had to lie about stuff. Go along with someone else's narrative. That, that hurts you. And it's okay to recognize that and to know that it wasn't okay. So I hope this really helps you because getting this out I literally just felt my chest loosen and I can breathe again. <laughs> oh my gosh. Therapy is helping me release. Journaling is helping me release and getting on this microphone is helping me release. By the way, I don't think I mentioned it. The therapy that I found that works for me, just as a quick note, it's called BetterHelp. I do have a link 
that I'm putting in the show notes. So if you want to check it out as a, a good option for you, please, 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 I implore you to check it out. I also have created a Facebook page and group. The group is much more important to me. It's private. It's called Calling Dibs Community. And it's meant to be a safe space for us to share these kinds of memories and never, ever let anybody who's abused us in the past into that safe space. Okay, so that's the Calling Dibs community. I encourage you to to join in and participate in those conversations. And I do have an email address now. Yay, the crowd goes wild. (laughs) So if you do want to reach out via email, anytime, I am happy to hear from you. So it's callingdibspodcast at gmail.com. And that is it. So I hope that this episode even though, like I said on the first one, it's like a mud run. This is hard. This is tough. It's not easy and it hurts. But I hope at the end of this episode, you're running across that finish line with a smile on your face, knowing that you didn't deserve it. It happened, but you didn't deserve it. Until next time.